What's good, everybody? Welcome to Your Mind, Your Narrative. My name is Jason Jamera. I'm a psychiatric mental health NP candidate in Philly and a child of Filipino immigrants. And you are tuning in to A Real Quick Wednesday, where I just talk about mental health issues unscripted off the dome for like 10 minutes. So if you know me, you know that I often endorse the whole idea of people of color and of non-dominant background to step into positions of mental health professionalism so that you can be the voice or the ear and help someone feel like they have representation or that they can really be heard in these mental health spaces. But a question I get often is, hey, Jason, I really do love mental health and I love talking about it, but I mean, can I work in it if I'm dealing with my own shit? I mean, I don't even feel like I'm stable to be able to be in this field. How am I going to help somebody else? And that's super valid. I get, I tell, I'm telling you, I get this thing often and it's very, very valid for you to ask this. In fact, it's responsible that you're asking this. It shows that you are self-aware and that you don't want to put a patient at harm. And let me tell you one thing though. When we enter our program of study in psychiatry and mental health, psychology, we are expected to be doing our own therapy throughout the whole process. In fact, I encourage all healthcare workers to be doing their own therapy because y'all see some real messed up trauma. And some of it, you know, it might relate to something that you have experienced back home in your own life or just seeing something, witnessing vicarious trauma. Whether it's, you know, working in a PICU and you see a kid die every single day or maybe they don't have the quality of life and you see them and their family struggling. Maybe you work in the ER and it's just nonstop, nonstop just seeing the same BS over and over again in a system that doesn't seem to be helping. That stuff lives in you. I mean, we, we really are trained on not to take this home with us but sometimes it does. And getting back to the point is that we are all expected to be working on ourselves as we become a healing voice for others. Lori Gottlieb, one of my favorite books authors, uh, the book is Maybe You Should Talk to Somebody. She has this quote where she says, we are mirrors reflecting mirrors reflecting mirrors. Showing one another what we can't yet see. And it's true. There's times where I learn so much about myself through the mental health work that I do with somebody else. Maybe the advice that I'm giving to them is actually advice I need to take myself. Maybe what they're going through is something that I have witnessed in my own life or am experiencing or am trying to figure out how to help somebody else in my own life with. Maybe the way they interacted with me pissed me off so much that it taught me about some insecurity that I had or how I can respond better to situations. And so asking if you can work in mental health if you have your own issues just shows how responsible you would be as a practitioner. It shows that you are trying to constantly learn as well. 
And that's what we need. Because take, for example, a physical trainer or a physical therapist. You expect them to be in shape, right? You know, it's not like they get their job and all of a sudden they're like, okay, I don't have to work out anymore at all. Nah, they're still doing their own functional exercises, either to gain more or to maintain themselves. They are still actively engaging their physical health. And so working in mental health, we should be doing the same in which we're constantly engaging our own mental health, growing, healing, working on ourselves. Look, when we are in our fields, we are still human, you know? Like we're not some superhero people who have no life issues and that's the reason why we can help people through theirs. No, we can help people through theirs because we've been in the woods. We've gained the experience of working on how to get out of it or just experiencing how deep you can be in it. And that gives us a grasp of how to help others navigate out of it. Seriously, all of my peers have been through some sort of trauma or mental crisis in their lifetime. Some of us have experienced being abused or neglected in families or relationships. Some of us have family members who have been in situations when they became suicidal. Many of us have been in those positions ourselves. Many of us have been in places where we were in stages of depression we didn't think we would get out of. Many of us have disorders such as bipolar, and we've just learned to maintain ourselves through it. We've learned to work through it. We've learned that there is a way of being on top of it, whether that's through medications or therapy or support groups or meditation practices. You know, for me, it's straight up therapy and having a strong supportive network that I can talk to and express myself with. Like me and the college schmops, bro, we meditate every Sunday and have talks for one to two hours on some real life things we go through weekly as men. And I know that there's times where I definitely needed it. So it's fair to have that concern saying, can I work in mental health if I have my own mental health struggles? And yes, because we have been in those woods. And we can show others that you are able to get out of the woods. That you are able to get out of the woods and help someone else navigate through it too. This is why group therapy programs and community support groups work. You know, like AA. Altruism is the word used to describe when you are healing by healing others by sharing your testimony with others in order to help them, or by hearing the testimonies of others so that you can offer some supportive, whether it's advice or supportive listening to somebody else. The sponsors in these 
big brother or these big sister or these 12-step programs, you know, there's somebody who has really been deep, deep in that dark space. And they fought. They fought to be sober for five to 10 years at least. And they still understand how easy it is to relapse. They understand that these things come back. So when you work in mental health, you really do understand that you can get out of the woods, but it's also possible to get back in it. And so you learn. You learn through practice and through healing others also that we have to be self-aware and able to identify when a stressor or when a trigger or when a feeling in our body or a sign in our actions and our activity is going into a downward slope and learning how to intervene in that. We are constantly practicing that. Same way that a physical trainer is constantly working on themselves to stay toned, to stay functionally able to move their joints, to stay healthy physically. Like, honestly, it's a running joke that if you're able to work in psychiatry, it's because you have your own psych issues too, (laughs) you know? And, you know, we try to avoid those things, but, you know, there's some truth to it. And for me, myself, like I said, I still work through my own imposter syndrome. I still work through my own anxiety and my own anger and frustration. Like this week, I, man, just like the past four weeks, bro, I've just dealt with racist patients for no reason, dude. It's just like, I will give so much of myself to somebody. I will really put the patient first, try to really hear all the trauma that they're going through, try to hear the chief complaints that they have going on and figure out how can we help you right now? How can I motivate you? How can I, sorry, strike that. How can I ask the right questions in which you're able to verbally express your own motivations and your own goals of care? And so I'll spend an hour doing this, you know, sometimes. And I will get their entire background story and feel like we built this trusting report with the person, you know? And before I leave the room, for some reason, for some reason, they just feel like they have to. They have to say something racist, bruh. Like, for real, completely unsolicited. They're just boomers who really want to make sure they say something about politics or say something about race before I leave, right? And, like, you know, some days it'll be about Asian people, some days it'll be about my black peers. And it's just like, bruh, why? (laughs) Like, why do you think that's okay? And, you know, we can really dig into that topic. But for the most part, my point is, is that Even if I think I'm this blossoming practitioner who can relate to people and talk to people really well, I'm still going to have to face real life situations that happen. I'm not immune to that stuff. If you know me, you know that racism triggers me like crazy, you know, Uh, and I try to practice no countertransference. Countertransference is when you bring your own bias or your uh, your own hurts 
into a situation with a patient and that affects care. And, you know, as nurses back, you know, when you're an RN, you really learn to let go of that. You really, really learn to go yell somewhere else, you know, um, or to step out and just like talk in Tagalog to your, your, <laughs> your other nurses and just like talk some BS real quick, you know. You learn other ways to deal with it rather than blowing up in front of a patient. And it sucks that we have to deal with that. You know, it sucks every single time that I've had to fill in because a patient didn't want a black nurse, you know, um, and then they hit me with a whole bunch of model minority myth type of comments and you know, that stuff gets frustrating. And so I go home and I talk to my therapist or I talk to my peers or my supportive friends and I work through my own mental stress before I really lose myself. And that's a long time coming, you know. I used to be really angry. <laughs> and, you know... Another thing is like, people always say, man, you're really sharing a lot of vulnerable stuff in this podcast or, you know, there's this like, I remember being taught in nursing school that you shouldn't share yourself with a patient, you know, like you shouldn't share that you've been through this too with a patient. And I high key think that's bullshit because... Yes, I mean, you can, I guess, get manipulated into something if you don't have your own strong basis and your own strong grounding. Like sometimes like maybe a patient can use it against you or like, you know, dig into your trauma to make you feel terrible and stuff like that. And that's why you need to have your foundation. But for the most part, all the patients I've connected with and even like the simulation ones, like who people who are trained to give you critical feedback and all that kind of stuff, like they've all told me that it helps a lot and makes them feel way more comfortable when I'm able to connect and disclose struggles that I've experienced myself. Sometimes I have to lead in with that, you know, especially with men. I got to tell them, yeah, I get it. As men, I hear you. We don't talk about this stuff. Or, you know, another day I'll have a huge muscular uh, patient of color who's straight out of the hood, you know, and, you know, he'll be like, yo, uh, I, I get that you have good intentions, young bro, but like you look like you're a quarter of my age and I don't expect how you're supposed to help me through anything, you know, like I've been through so much, da, 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 and then I'll quit, I'll hit him like, yeah, yeah, da, 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 like. I feel you, bro. And uh, for me personally, like I joined this field because I've experienced this, this and that in my community. I lost a best friend to a bullet, da, 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 all this kind of stuff. And then he'll be like, oh, I, you a little young OG too, I guess. All right. All right. And then, and then they'll open up and it's, it's a trip. Like, honestly, though, why are we so pressed to act like we as healthcare providers are perfect people or that we can't disclose a part of ourselves to the general public. This is why people are hitting me up, asking me, like, how can I work in mental health if I'm going through my own issues? 
Bruh, if somebody has diabetes, should they not be an endocrinologist? You know, should they not be a doctor anymore? If somebody survived cancer, should they no longer work with patients? We don't say that. No, what we do is we just know that we have to take extra precautions. We have to make sure that we are practicing safely, that we're taking care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. We are not perfect people. We are human and we are just as susceptible to everything that other humans go through. There's a book called An Unquiet Mind by Kay Redfield Jameson, a clinical psychologist and incredible author who shares about her own life with bipolar disorder and what it's like to be a practicing clinician and have had this fear throughout like the 70s or 80s. I'm to be honest, I'm sorry, I don't know the dates. I'm sorry if she's not that old. But, um, you know, like she shared how terrifying it was back in the day to share her disorder because or how scary it was to even write this book because she was scared that she will lose her job if she opens up about that. And at one point, she writes about how she was so nervous to open up about it to a mentor. It's the lead clinician. And he goes, Kay, I know this about you already. I've been known this. And I still trust you. It's a good book. Check it out. It just shows you that we are real people who still can deal with these real life issues, you know? So if you're listening... And you're on that fence of saying, yeah, I really want to help people through mental health. And I'm just scared that I am not capable of doing it. Look, I'm going to tell you right now that you are. And that there is somebody, somebody out there who can benefit from your voice and your presence. Thank you for listening, everyone. And remember, you are loved. You are worthy. And you belong in this space. Peace.